Thank you. Uh, good morning and happy Mother's Day. Welcome. <laughs> so we're so glad you're here with us this morning. So uh, my name is Jezer Garcia. If, if you haven't met me yet, uh, welcome those who are online as well. We're streaming live. So happy Mother's Day to you, whatever place you are. My mother is in Brazil watching this, so I would say Feliz Dia das Mães para minha mãe. Sorry, I, I had to do it. So, Happy Mother's Day. Thank you so much for coming, taking this day to celebrate with us, all the moms and you know, the kids coming in and a lot of people traveling today. But I'll give a little bit of an update on John. So um, if you don't know, Pastor John, he had a scheduled surgery for his knee and, and it went really well. So he's recovering right now. So he'll be a couple, probably a few weeks. Uh, we're anticipating three weeks with, that he won't be preaching here. So meanwhile, you, tonight, today you get stuck with me. And then uh, next week, one of our elders, um, Shane Shaw, is going to be preaching here. And then Galen Dowdy. So you guys will be in good hands. So I go first because, you know, um, then... I can set up the standard very low for them. So, <laughs> but anyways, it's so good you guys are here. Um, one of the things I was thinking about, especially, you know, today, you know, Pastor John was asking, like, what, what do you want to preach on? So, since it's Mother's Day, I don't feel qualified to do it, but I'm going to try. So, thank you so much for hanging with us here. So, uh, you know, I want to encourage you today, and, and I feel like there's, uh, for, for a lot of us, you know, for a lot of the moms that are coming here today, and maybe those who are online, you know, Mother's Day, it's a time of celebration for some, and for others, not so much. You know, Mother's Day sometimes brings a lot of memories, too, and some pain, you know, death in the family, you know, it's a broke marriage. So my heart goes for you, you know, as I was thinking about this week and praying, and, I, and I, I, I didn't want to be insensitive in any way, shape, or form, and my prayer that you come out of here encourage whatever place that God has on you, whatever situation you're in, and I pray today that you come out here encouraged. If you're a mother, or you're trying to be a mother, or a single mom, whatever it is that's going on in your, in your, in your life, I just hope you be encouraged this morning. So... Uh, I feel like Mother's Day, and, and, and I think about this often, that a lot of times when we, Mother's Day, it's the same way. We come to church, and we always feel that we don't do very well, that we're the only ones struggling. You know, I, I, I think about that, and I, and I think a lot of times people come to church, and they feel they're, on, they're the only ones struggling, and the person next to them, you know, they got all together. So, and I don't think no mom here feels like, oh man, I just hope he, he's going to talk about how to, be, uh, how to handle perfection, because I am perfect. You know, the dog is the restroom outside, the kids are doing great, you know, they, no trouble at all, piece of cake, I'm just a perfect mom, and I just hope I learn how to handle being perfect. I think it's 
If someone is feeling like that, uh, probably then there's issues, right? But all moms, they feel like they're doing not a good job or they're doing okay. They don't feel like perfect. But it's a myth. And at the same time, it's interesting that in a lot of things in our own lives, even with other subjects, we always feel like, no, 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 we don't intend. We, we would not say that we're perfect and we don't want to strive for perfection. But deep down, that's what our expectations are. In a way, it's good, but in other ways, it's a myth because we know that we're not going to achieve perfection. And that brings a lot of pain. And we're always trying to compare ourselves. And I think with motherhood, you know, as I have a mom, you know, my wife, and I also have a mom, we talk about this, how it's really hard to be a mother and not compare. So, and I think that idea, you know, comes from long ways. I, sometimes people think it's social media that does that, you know, the whole vortex of comparison. You know, people post a cool picture there. But I think the reality is this comes from a long time ago. In the 1950s, we got introduced to Live to Beaver. And if you remember right, June Cleaver, right? So she was the perfect mother. So the idea of perfection came a long time ago. And if you, for those who watch the show, but if you haven't, just by looking at the picture, you can realize what's going on. So June Cleaver will come, and then she was always wearing pearls. And that's how, what she did the whole day, right? She cleaned the house, wearing pearls, heels. She was doing this whole motherhood, and you guys uh, don't get it. She's awesome. Wearing pearls, her hair was made. She never, ever raised her voice. And the kids, no matter what they were doing, she was always with a good posture and soft voice in heels. And the interesting thing about it is the show was half an hour long, and there was always a crisis, and always the crisis ended in 30 minutes. She resolved it. So this idea of syndrome of perfection, it comes from a long time ago. You know, and anything you remember a little bit uh, later on in the Cosby show, you have Claire Huxtable, which was another one, you know, full-time career as a lawyer, had five kids, a husband who was more like a kid, you know, he was always in the background, you know, and there was always a problem either with the husband, with the kids, and solution in 30 minutes, the house is clean, full-time lawyer. We watch those shows and we always feel like, okay, this is where to aim. But I, you know, but in some ways, the reality, it was a show from 1990s called The Simpson. You might identify with Marge Simpson. Always crazy stuff going on and she's trying to survive. There's always, she always, her hair was crazy. A mess of a house. She's trying to, she was struggling and still surviving. There's not one mom here today that feels like June or feel like Claire. we just trying to survive. And then you see now, coming nowadays, there's a struggle of a social media where there's a lot of comparison, right? Someone takes a picture with a lot of filter, the kids all wearing white, not staying in their shirts, their hair are made, and they're all laughing like they had just a great time. And then they take a picture, 
And then a lot of times we get into that vortex of, oh man, I wish I was just like that mom because your reality, you're holding a baby here, cooking with another hand, and your feet is doing something else, and you're trying to juggle life, and it's really, really hard. I wish we would be more realistic about how we take pictures in social media. I have a picture here to show you. Something like this, right? The square is what you show, but in the background, there's all this mess. But authenticity will never get out of fashion. And I feel like we need more of that and to be realistic about who we are. But I'm here just to tell you that motherhood is really, really hard. I don't have a lot of experience being a mother, but I have one in my house. And I see her trying to survive, and there's days of pain and frustration But all moms, they go into the motherhood, or most moms, they go into motherhood, and they want to do a good job. They want to do the best they can. No motherhood, no mother, there's not many of them saying like, okay, you know what? I'm going to go into this motherhood, and I'm just purposely going to do a bad job. Most of them are not trying for that. Moms don't feel perfect, but that shouldn't be the aim. Persistence. Should be the aim, not perfection. The idea of never giving up. And that's what we're going to talk about today. And there is a mom, you know, and if you, if you are here today and you feel frustrated and you feel discouraged and whatever is happening in your life, there is a mother in the Bible that I, 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 today is not Christmas, but we're going to talk about Mary. And if there's someone that experienced frustration and experienced pain, is Mary. And to be honest, you got to remember that there is a divine thing happening to Mary. And the Bible says that for all the women, she was the most blessed in a way. But still, she had to endure pain. She had to endure insecurities. That gives a good excuse for you. I know that you have to strive to be a mom. But in times that you feel pain, just don't give up. Let's read in Luke chapter 1. Verse 31 to 33. But before we do that, let's have a word of prayer very quick here. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that uh, you speak to us. Allow us to take it to heart. And for those who are struggling today, those that don't have much reasons to celebrate, we pray for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Here's what says. You will conceive and give birth to a son. And you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. So if you read the story before, Mary was 15, about 14 to 15 years old. And she has this encounter with the angel all of a sudden, she got this challenge of becoming a mother in an early age, but not just a normal child, but is the son of God, the son of the Most High. God is telling Mary, I chose you to become the mother of Jesus, the Messiah. We always rush through that story. We never think about what Mary must thought when that happened. We rushed too quick. 
But I imagine that it was very, very hard for Mary to understand, even though we always get, we go through it, and then there's the Song of Mary, and then we always get excited, and we celebrate Christmas. But the idea is to think about it when an angel comes and gives this very hard task to raise a child that will save the world, not just a simple child. It was a hard task. And I imagine there are so many securities and other things that came to Mary. But here's what says. She questioned the angel. And here's what says. Verse 34. How will this be? Mary asked the angel. Since I am a virgin. What I find interesting is. We often think that Mary is questioning more like, hey, angel, could you, could you just give me a, a biological biology lesson here, one-on-one, about how this whole thing happens since I'm a virgin? We, we always jump into that conclusion that the questions that Mary have is just, how is this happening? I'm a virgin. But I believe here that's one of the questions that Mary puts out there, and this is a narrative that has been taken from Mary herself, from Luke. And I find it interesting because there's so many questions. I imagine that she was, what is going to happen? First of all, it will be a miracle to take to, for this to happen, but what am I going to tell other people? And here's what the angel said for that specific question. How's that going to happen? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. The angel gives just enough information for that specific question. And I imagine, I imagine as the angel goes, Mary will say, oh, great. Awesome. That's it. Now I guess I'm going to be a mom. I don't think so. She'll probably, okay, so that was one of the questions. How is that going to happen? But what else? How am I going to tell that to my dad? How am I going to tell my husband to be? How, what's going to happen to my friends when I start showing this baby? Am I going to do a good job? What if I fail? All insecurities, I imagine, they overshadow her. And she probably would say, oh, my goodness, what am I going to do with this? Uh, angel, angel, angel. And the angel leaves. And there is a period of Mary's life. There is no significant direction of what to do other than raising this child. And I find interesting that it took her a process for her to even feel so excited about it because there's so much fear in her. The Bible says that there is another situation where she has an encounter with Elizabeth. The Bible says that uh, we don't know for sure the Bible doesn't say that, but there is a period of time, about three to six months, that took part. So day by day, Mary had not much confirmation by angel, by anything. But then the Bible says that she goes to meet Elizabeth. And the Bible says that the baby that Elizabeth was carrying also was a miracle, was John Baptist. And the Bible says that that baby inside of her womb moves with joy. Inside of the womb, an unborn child was the first one to recognize the Messiah. Isn't that amazing? 
And then that overcomes Mary, this joy. And all of a sudden she feels, yes, this is a miracle. Yes, there is confirmation from God that the baby I'm carrying is a very special one. And I think that probably helped her a lot. And here's what she says. Very after, right after this event happened with Elizabeth, there's the song known as the Mary song. Verse 46 and 49, she celebrates to 49. And Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in my God, my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. There is a celebration on Mary's heart of becoming a mother of the Messiah. It's the confidence that she needed to celebrate. And I feel that pregnancy for a lot of women is a celebration. You know, I, I remember uh, my wife telling me about baby number five. You know, we, we didn't plan, but God had a plan for us to have five kids. And, and I remember when my wife sat down to tell me about baby number five. So she was very excited. You know, the miracle of pregnancy, she was so excited about that, and she wants to share with me. So remind you, I thought that we would be done. I thought that we took care of that. And then she says, I need to talk to you. So early in the morning, I wake up, she's like, have a seat. And I'm like, oh, oh. Not a good thing when your wife tells you, I need to talk to you, have a seat, because this is going to take a while. She tells me that, okay, I had some time to process this, I'm excited about this, but I'm not going to hold this against you. We are expecting baby number five. I love my wife that she gave me license for my reaction right away from the beginning. She said, that's okay, I had time to process this. You know, the first question I asked was, like, can we fit all those kids in the car? You know, I was not much for a celebration right away. She's like, yes. And then, obviously, I got excited later on. But I remember feeling like this. I was like, oh, my goodness, I'm going to be a father again. You know, it, it, it was different for me. And I remember coming. I had to, it happened that I had to speak at Mops the next day uh, for uh, being a father you know, the perspective of a father raising, raising girls and kids. And all this woman. So it was very intimidating. So I get there. There were 60 women in there sitting there. And then the first thing I said, I think I got brownies, what's that, brownie points right away with them. Thank you. I said, well, I'm just telling you that we are expecting number, baby number five. And then there's ah, a roar. Yeah. Woo, so excited. You know, that's how women are, right? For me, I, for me, it's very different. And I remember talking to my friend, especially someone in our staff, and then we were talking about it, we're all guys. And then I said, you know, it's always happened that if you say like, okay, I have two kids, I have three kids, they say, oh, cool, awesome. You know, if you have, I have five kids, they say, oh, what, what happened? Do you, do you need to know how that works, you know? But anyways, I remember someone on the staff was like, oh, another one? You know, 
but we, we take more time to process, right? But we're, we're so excited. And I find interesting, you know, there's, there, there's this uh, uh, celebration thing that happens, you know, and Mary experienced that, that celebration, the recognition that she was going to become a mother. You know, it's interesting, but if you think about it, you know, pregnancy, it's, it's an amazing miracle. And guys, a lot of times we don't understand because it's not happening to us. If you think about it, you know, this baby is inside of, of, of her womb, and then this baby is developing in there. And the breath of God is in there, right? So it's growing, and this child is developing, and, then, and, and it's taking all the nutrients from the mother, and it's developing, growing there, and all the food it's being fed by the mom even before the baby is born. It's just crazy. And then the baby comes out, and then again, the baby's feeding out of the mom. It's just, a, if you think about it, it's a miracle that happens. And then, and then if you think about our contribution, we guys, very, very minimal, right? But anyways, I remember Casey, how much she was excited, my wife, you know, when that happened. And... That's a miracle, and, and I realized, I remember the first time we had our first daughter, you know, she, she, was, she was there, and then we took, like, it was 30 hours, the whole thing, it was a long pregnancy, a long labor, and then when she came out, she was crying, you know, you could tell whatever it is, that's just how babies do, but for me, it was so special, because when she came out, she was crying, and then I talked to her, and I said, Isabella, daddy's here. And at that point, I feel like I was not a father. I don't know. I, was, I felt like a lot, I was out of the picture a lot because, again, it's, everything's happening on my wife. And then when that, she came out and then she heard me, I want to believe that there is a spiritual, emotional connection. And right away, she stopped and looked at me. And I was like, whoa, the responsibility of being a father came so fast. Like, boom. And I got it at that moment. And it was a crazy, I was just amazing feeling. And then as guys, you know, and then you go, okay, so we go home. And then the very next thing that I do, I tell my wife, it's like, so can I now go play soccer with my friends? She's like, no, we have this kid. We have a responsibility now. But that's what happened. There is this excitement when it comes to, to motherhood. But then there is the responsibility of taking that child home. And Mary knew the son she was carrying was very special. Very special, and she has reasons to celebrate, but she knew it wouldn't be an easy task. And there's no angels 24-7 telling her how to do it. Have you thought about that? Oh, but he's Jesus. Yeah, that got to be harder. Having someone that goes, oh, I'm perfect, so what are you going to do? But moms are very special. I remember when I was nine years old, you know, in our house, we, we, we never had birthday celebrations and things like that. You know, we never had, I remember not, not having cake. You know, it's different. So growing up very poor too, you know, so we didn't have birthday celebrations. And I, and I remember to this day, I was nine years old, thir- uh, 35 years ago. Do your math, I'm 44. I, I'll help you. 35 years ago, my mom did this. And she used to clean houses to help my dad with the money. And then she worked for two days and bought this expensive G.I. Joe for me because I really wanted that. 35 years ago, I'm telling that story of something so small 
that we think about it, but it was so big and impacted me for life. The sacrifice, because she was celebrating me. She was celebrating me, making me feel special. And I know a lot of times, you know, maybe your experience is a little different. You know, you have experience with your mom, and maybe she didn't celebrate you as the way, the way you, you thought it should be. But I pray for you. Pray for God's grace that he can find still strength to celebrate to this day. But these are the little things that matter. And sometimes, moms, you don't have a lot of reasons to celebrate. Your circumstances don't, doesn't show much time or reasons to celebrate. Parenting is so hard, but one thing I would say to you, be persistent. Don't give up. Find reasons to celebrate, even in small accomplishments that you have with your child. Or even as you look, your child is out of home, and you look at that, find reasons to celebrate, even in the small things. I remember the, the, in Brazil, growing up where I grew up, it would be a huge celebration if you were not in jail growing up or dead, or become, I don't know, a bum. That was the, 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 my mom would celebrate small things even more. Threshold is very low. But I remember, you know, thinking about that, you know, my parents would say, just, just don't go to jail, you know. But I remember the persistence. And I think Mary had times like that, times of insecurities, times of not knowing what to do with Jesus, but she still celebrates. My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. From now on, generations will call me blessed. Mary knew the task ahead was going to be so, so hard, and she still find time to celebrate. Now, I imagine that some of you here also can share some of your experiences with frustration with your child. Being a parent is very hard. But can you imagine the frustration that Mary must have raising a child, homeschooling, and saying, well, we got that problem wrong. No, I didn't. Giving Jesus a bath, and he wants to stay on top of the water. You know, so... But there's, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so, but it must be a very hard task for her. It must be frustrating for her in a lot of different ways. Because the responsibility was huge in her, on her hands. And God has given that. But again, no angel. She has to walk long ways in a donkey, on top of a donkey, pregnant riding on a donkey for miles and miles, and no angel. But there's this story I would like to share with you in the Bible about the frustration of Mary, of raising Jesus. And I, and I love that story because it, 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 it's in the Bible because it's very significant. And in Mary, a lot of the narratives of John and Luke were coming from Mary. And I think it was very important to Mary as she shared that story. But every year... The families will take this road trip uh, to Jerusalem. So they will go, Mary and Joseph, they have to walk for three to seven days 
from Galilee to Jerusalem. So it was a long, long ride. And they would do that on foot. And they would have a huge crowd, so a lot of people, they would caravan together because it was a very scary place because there's thieves and, and people that would do evil to them because they knew they would have to do that trip every year during the Passover. It was a ceremony they would do for cleaning out the sins. And in that, they would have to bring money because they would have to buy some of the animals for sacrifice because they couldn't carry with them. So it was very dangerous. And I imagine that, you know, how hard it was for them to go. But there's a story that happens where Mary and Joseph are going on this trip. And all of a sudden, as they're going out, they realize, uh-oh, where is Jesus? They forgot Jesus behind. Which, I don't know, have you forgot your kid somewhere? Don't raise hands. We don't want to judge you. But this happened recent to us. And my child still brings up and she says, you forgot me, now you owe me. You know, I can do whatever I want. No, we cannot. But, but we forgot this kid in case he called my wife and she's like, hey, you know, it's this time. And then I forgot to, to pick it up, my, uh, our daughter. I was like, okay. You know, it was devastating for her. But then I started thinking about it. That was hard. But can you imagine the Son of God you forgot at Walmart for three days? Three days. The Son of God. God is giving you this responsibility to raise a child that will save the world. All that depends on that. And you forget that child behind for three days. Now, obviously, we've been kind of funny about this, but it was so easy to ha- for that to happen because as they're in the big group, you know, there's so many people that could take care of him and it was easy to get lost behind. But that's what happened. Can you imagine the frustration or the anxiety of Mary and Joseph as they're coming back for Jesus Put yourself on their shoes as you're coming back and think, "Uh uh-oh, angel, help me here. And here's what it says, Luke chapter 2, verse 48. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. Would you be? When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, not the father, Son, why have you treated us like this? Why? How many times as a parent you ask your child, why are you doing this? How many times your mom asks you that? Why are you doing this with me? My mom would ask me all the time, why are you doing this to us? One thing I love about Mary, that she doesn't come already saying, this is what we're going to do. She asks a question, gives him a chance to tell why he would do this. But I imagine the frustration that Mary would be feeling, having the Son of God that being lost, that stuck behind. Here's what says, son, 
Why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Can you imagine that? The frustration, the fear. If God shows up, you know, kind of like the idea on Adam and Eve in the garden, God shows up, so where's my child? I mean, he knows everything, but imagine it. Uh, we forgot. He's behind. We forgot him. And here's what he says. Didn't you know? My mom will kill me right here, by the way. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? What I love about this is uh, at 12 years old in that culture, 12-year-olds will be introduced to a rabbi where they will learn from them. And this is, seems to be the first time that we see the deity of Jesus, of reasoning with Mary to say, there's more than just a 12-year-old here. But I imagine how frustrating it was for Mary. I believe that because it's the first and only part that we, ta- we see in Jesus' childhood as a teenager. But he's already sharing with her a little bit about what is up to come. I had to be in my, mo- in my father's house. And I love what they, they, they say that, that happens right after. But they did not understand what he is saying to them. How many times you don't understand your kid. You have no idea what's going on. And I imagine the frustration of Mary not understanding, for number one, what he's saying exactly. Is he saying about the future? He's saying, like, Father, what, what's going on here? But there's so many things, that uncertainties and, and doubts. I imagine that uh, if, if they were insecure about raising a child of God, this is, was amplified on that section of the Bible. Now we don't know what we're doing. And the Bible says that Mary kept those things and treasured in her heart. You probably experienced a lot of frustration like this. And, and then you might be tempted to say, I, I'm a horrible mom. I don't do a good job. You know, I, I had one, one lady once told me this, and she, she was talking about her child. She said, you know, I'm a horrible mom. Like, why are you a horrible mom? Well, I was in a treadmill. And my son put a hand on a belt, and he had a burn on his hand. So I'm a horrible mom. I'm like, that does not make you a horrible mom. It makes your son an idiot. I'm sorry. (laughs) Right? Kids do idiotic things, don't they? My dad would say that. That was the best advice he gave it to me. He's like, son, don't be an idiot. But we do. Why? I feel like our moms, their kids' failure, they take as their failure as a mother. Isn't it true that you cannot separate your child's failure with your frustration? And when they fail, you feel like you fail. And that leads to false ideas and Maybe I should give up this whole thing about being a mother. I'm not good at this. And every mother felt that way. 
or feels that way at one point. But I want to encourage you. This church wants to encourage you to not give up. To be persistent as a mother. You're frustrated with your kid's behavior. You don't understand what's going on with your child. Same thing that happened to Mary. You're doing everything right that you think, but still the child is not doing what you think they should do. Academically, they're not choosing what you thought they should choose. Your expectations is not their expectations. And some of them even reject God. It's a hard thing. And sometimes we have to believe that God is doing something in your kid's life, even when you cannot see it. Why? Why? Because he loves that child as much as you do. You know, I was 14 years old, and I told my mom this. I don't want anything to do with God. Nothing to do with God. And she had some rules for us. We grew up in a church. And, and she said, no, you're going to still come until this age. But I had no connection with God whatsoever. And then there's a period in time in my life that I decided, yeah, I, I don't want God in my life. And I'm going to reject and I'm going to hang out with friends. And I went with the wrong crowd. And you guys know, you know, uh, and I remember treating my mom really bad. I'll come home 2, 3 in the morning, hanging out with friends. Sometimes, you know, in Brazil it's allowed, so I would come drunk. And I knock on the door and I ask for my mom to open the door. Didn't have a key of the house. My mom would open the door. And I remember the first time that happened, she says, uh, where have you been? And I said, don't, just leave me alone. I don't want to talk about it. And I'll go to my room. And after a while, it started becoming a routine, and I would do this over and over. And I noticed one thing she would never ask again. She would just open the door and let me in. And she did that for two years. Two years. I treated her really, 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 really bad. Yesterday, I have a chance to make it right. So I made a phone call. We were talking, and I was talking to her about that period of time where I treated her really, really bad. And I said, I'm sorry, Mom. You do not deserve a son like this. My mom told me one thing. She said, how can I? How can I give up on you? You are my son. God never gave up on you, and I never did. And she told me the story that in that period of time, she would pray for me every day, and she never, ever slept until I was inside of the house, safe. Never told me that. In those years that it was horrible for her, that she was frustrated, insecure about what is going to happen to her son, she prayed for me. And she waited every single night until I was home. She told me, too, that once a week, 
not only she prayed for me, but once a week, she would walk 45 minutes, she would cook us a meal, left meal on the stove for us, and walk 45 minutes from our house to a church where she met once a week, every Wednesday, with a bunch of other ladies, and they pray for two hours for their sons and their daughters. I did not know that. The fact that I'm here today, it's a testimony of a mom who never gave up on me. She was never perfect, but she was persistent. She never gave up. And I tell you, all the moms, all the ones who are struggling, all the ones that are maybe a motherly influence of someone in this church but can't have a child, don't give up. Be persistent. God is with you. In John chapter 19 says this, near the cross of Jesus, he stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Madeline. When Jesus saw his mother, I love this. Jesus is ready to die on a cross with painful death. And he took his time to look at his mother and take care of her. While he was making arrangements for our sins, he pauses to make an arrangement for his own mother. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple who he loved standing nearby, he said to her, Woman, here's your son, and do, and to the disciple, here's your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. Jesus saw his mother. Jesus saw his mother's pain, frustration, insecurity, unbearable pain, and he took the time to take care of her and provide for her. What does that have to do with us? Jesus has his eyes on you, and he's making arrangements for you and what I tell you is, be persistent. Don't give up. Be persistent. Don't give up. Let's pray. Father, I want to lift up all the mothers in here, and the fathers too, and those who are motherly influenced in this church. For those who are in so much pain, for those who don't have reasons to celebrate today, give them comfort. And for those who are insecure about what they do as mothers, give them the strength to don't give up, to be persistent. We thank you that you take care of us. We thank you that you came to seek and save. And that promise we carry in our hearts for our kids that you're seeking them out and you have plans for them. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.